Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Abby Carcio. And I'm your other host, Sydney Cummings. And from wherever you're listening, welcome to Megged, a women's soccer podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the women's professional sport. These are our unsolicited football opinions. You didn't ask for them, but we're going to give them. And who knows? Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you'll disagree. But that's the beauty of the game and what's kept us friends for so long. This episode, we'll be discussing Group G in the group stage of the Women's World Cup. Move your feet. This is Megged. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Megged. Before we talk about our lives, super excited. The World Cup is officially in less than 10 days. We are in single digits as we're recording this, which is so exciting. Abby and I are so stoked for this World Cup, especially with these friendlies that have been leading up. feel like no one is safe, so it's going to be super competitive. However, let's catch up quickly. Abby, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Sid, considering the news you just gave, 10 days to the World Cup. I think it's going to be a super competitive cup, and I think we're going to be surprised a bit. Yeah, I'm super excited. One thing I'm not super excited about, which we talked about in an early on episode, is the time difference. Blah. I'm not looking forward to navigating that. And so that's like the only con I feel like that I'm like not looking forward to with what's coming up. But I feel like the excitement of the World Cup will be really good. My only fear, though, is like if I don't wake up to watch a game at 3 a.m. and I check Twitter and I see the score, am I going to be really pissed? And I think the answer is yes. So I think I have to do what you do, Abby, which is like stay off of everything until I watch the game. It's not as hard as you think. I just wake up, go downstairs, and play the recording. Yeah, so might have to take a page out of your book for this World Cup. But before we get into this episode of talking about Group G, there's just a little bit of news we want to catch everyone up on and discuss. Uh, First thing is not good news. Uh, Zambia's head coach has been accused of sexual misconduct. Uh, That was reported by The Guardian a couple of days ago. Obviously, it's just disgusting like there's no other word to describe it uh and the article is pretty damning and so that's being handled by the police and fifa is aware it's good that the police are involved an investigation has been launched those are positive things but the word i would use to describe this is infuriating how many times does this need to happen for preventative measures to be taken so it doesn't happen again is the question like i'm i'm not even surprised which is a shameful thing to say, but it's the truth. Yeah, so we'll definitely see how this impacts them going into the World Cup. I'm assuming the coach is probably going to get fired. So how does that impact having a new head coach right before the World Cup? Uh, we'll we'll just have to see. So hoping everything gets sorted out there. Other news is also not that great. We had another ACL tear um, in the Germany friendly. So. Caroline Simon, not sure if that's the pronunciation since she is German, but she tore her ACL in their friendly. So just wanted to bring that up because it sucks. Yeah. Are you kidding me to be one game away from the World Cup and that's when you do it? I mean, at any time to get injured is horrible, but yeah, the, the timing of that is just awful. We wish her well in her recovery. But again, it it begs the question, where's the research? Where's the investment into figuring out how to prevent these ACL tears? 
Oh, you know something else too, Abs, that we didn't um talk about offline, but Henri no longer being in the squad for France. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Her calf injury. When I saw that, I was like, all of the struggles this woman has been through with the last coach, then to be named into the squad and go back to the World Cup, and then to be taken out with a calf injury, like that's just got to be devastating as well. Yeah, I feel like that's a really big blow for them as well. France is, is up there with England, I feel like, and dealing with injuries and how that's going to shape their squad. But I still think that France is, is going to do really well. It just it just sucks. Like all these injuries. I don't know if it's because I'm just way more tuned in this cycle or what, but I just feel like there's so many injuries leading up to this World Cup and there's nothing else to say other than it freaking sucks and wishing all of those people well. Changing to some positive news, New Zealand beat Vietnam uh, 2-0, and I feel like this is really exciting for them leading into the World Cup. We talked about uh, them previously and how they've been getting shut out and how important it was for them to find goals, and so I feel like this is probably a real confidence booster, and so really excited to see how that goes for them now leading into the World Cup. Yeah, like you said, I think it's a great confidence booster. I'm excited for them. Like, this is their chance. Yes, there is pressure. They are a co-host. But, yeah, to be paired with Australia, it might take the pressure off them a little bit. So I'm excited for them. And while a 2-0 result is really good for New Zealand when playing Vietnam, it's a terrible result for me with the U.S. playing Wales. Abby and I watched that game, and we were literally pulling our hair out talking about it. It's a win. Like, okay, confidence, I guess, but it was an incredibly frustrating game to watch, and there was no chemistry. Like, there just wasn't any chemistry, especially between the lines, like, from backs to mids to mids to forwards. There was no connection whatsoever, and it was like, okay, this was the perfect game to test things out and to, yeah, experiment, I guess, but I don't even know what to say, Sydney, honestly. Yeah, here's what I'll say. The negatives for me, the first half was literally painful. Like you said, Abs, there was zero chemistry. I felt like Fox came inside way too much and didn't provide enough width on the pitch, which I didn't love. I felt like the midfield did not keep the tempo, could not keep control. It felt like everyone was just holding onto the ball like a little bit too long. And then I thought the front line was non-existent. But on the flip side, the positive to that, when Trinity Rodman came in, she was a breath of air. And I feel like that's really important for this squad. Like the people coming off the bench have to be such game changers and impact the game positively. And I thought she did that really well. So that's definitely a positive. And the fact that they were able to, like you said, a win is a win, come away with that is a positive. But I just feel like chemistry is going to be our biggest downfall. It just felt so individualized and nothing was working. So big, big, big question mark right now. But as always, I hope they prove us wrong. Yeah, I hope we have to swallow our words on this one, Sid. And so that's it for catch up. So we're going to jump into Group G and we're actually going to start with a big foe of the U.S. in previous tournaments. So let's kick it off with Sweden. Okay, so Sweden has always been a mainstay, I feel like, in the World Cup, in the Olympics. Normally, I feel like we see them 
deal with the U.S. So it's really interesting that they're in a completely different group, but they're currently ranked third in the FIFA ranking. And I feel like they've always been one of the best teams when it comes to tournaments. Like they always make it pretty far. Where is Sweden's gold medal? That's the question. Like it's time for them to get out of the second place, get out of the bronze medal match and get the gold. That's how I feel. Yeah. But do you feel like this is their time? No, I don't. But it is frustrating that every tournament, they're almost there. It's like they're missing one key element. But what do you think is their strength, Sid, going into this tournament? I think their biggest strength is that they have a lot of experience. Like, this is probably going to be the last World Cup for some people on this roster. But I feel like they have so many players that have been in this situation before who play at the highest level in different places in Europe. Um, And so I feel like that experience and that identity for those reasons, I feel like Sweden's always pretty much played the same way. And I feel like they adapt really well to who they're playing. Like they've always given the U.S. a hard time and it's not a coincidence. And so I feel like their experience with players and their identity as a team is their biggest strong suit. But like you said, that's all good and well, but that has only got them third and second place. Right. I think the difference this tournament is going to be the pace of their forwards. I think you have Rolfo and Blackstinius up there to push, push, push the pace that they've been lacking over the last 10 years, I would say. So I actually saw them play in Australia um, and with my team. And I remember going into that match, we all placed bets, like naturally, as we do. And we're like, oh, who do you think is going to win? And we're just talking about it. And we were all so sad on Sweden winning that game. Like we were like, oh, Sweden's going to win three nil. They got smoked. And I just have to say one, I was shocked. They lost four nil. Shocked on Sweden's end was really positive for Australia, but that's a different conversation. I feel like it was really scattered. And I really feel like that reflects how they've been in their past couple of friendlies. They've been super up and down. So right before they lost to Australia, they beat France three nil. And so I just feel like they need to find a way to close the gap and find that consistency that they've always had. I'm curious if the fluctuation in results for them in the past couple of friendlies is a result of Gerhardsen, the coach, making changes and testing things out before the cup. I'm just curious if we'll see more consistency throughout this group stage than we have seen in the past. Yeah, that's fair. And then there's also something to be said, like teams like this know when to show up. And so I feel like they'll definitely do that. But my biggest worry, I guess you could say, going into it, they're playing the Philippines as their their last friendly on the 17th. To me, that's not a good enough prep game. Like, I guess it's a good opponent in terms of you can try a lot of things and not feel like super pressured um, or feel like you're not in control of the game. But I don't know. I just feel like if, if you want first place, like you're your last friendly can't be a team that's never played in the World Cup before. Perhaps that choice was a reflection of this group. It's not like they have a huge power player like France or England in their group. And so I think they're going to have most of the ball for the next three group stage games. And and perhaps they were trying to practice for that. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I agree with you. I think it's a strange choice for their prep match, but perhaps it it reflects who's in their group. Yeah, that's a good perspective. I I can if that's if that's the rationale, I can maybe support that. 
Um, but we'll definitely have to see how that goes. To me, like Sweden should be a lock in this group for for everything you just kind of alluded to. And, and we'll get more into when we talk about the three other teams. They just need to be sound defensively and they just need to be in sync. I feel like when I watched them play Australia, that was the biggest thing. And I feel like with some of the friendlies that they've dropped, it's because they haven't been in sync. So they just they understand what it takes to compete in this tournament. So they just have to buy into that. If they want to go far and deep into this tournament, I think they need to get confidence behind their goal scorers. I think this is a great group to score a lot of goals. And yeah, that can take players deep into the tournament. We saw that with Alex Morgan. We saw that with Megan Rapinoe in the last World Cup. I think it's crucial that the Swedish forwards get that confidence going in. So funny that my point is defensive and yours is attacking. Some things never change. But let's see if we have different perspectives when it comes to South Africa as well. So they're the other team in this group. They're currently ranked 54th in the FIFA ranking. They're playing Costa Rica on Friday. So that's going to be their last prep game. The positive for them is that they're coming off of their first Cup of Nations win. Um, They beat Morocco to win that. So, Abby, tell me some of your thoughts about this team. Um, I think it's fair to say we don't know much about them. Um, They have competed before. But tell tell me some of your thoughts. Yeah, Sid, right off the bat, there's the positive. Taking that win in the AF Cup is huge for them, should give them confidence regarding tournament play. Now, I do have a lot of concerns. First being, most of these players aren't playing for big-time clubs. Say what you will about club play and its translation into tournament play, but I think the level at which your players are consistently playing has some correlation to the World Cup. Yeah, Abs, this is something I was actually going to throw at you. Like, does the fact that they don't have clout on their club status, does that matter? To me, I feel like for other teams, it does. For this team, I'm not necessarily sure because I just don't see them being a, a true contender to come out of this group. I do think that it can help in terms of chemistry, you know, if, if they play together, but they don't necessarily play at big teams in Europe. A lot of them are still play in the country. Um, but the one thing that I will say is they do have a sprinkle of, of players playing in different places on their roster. They have a player who plays in the NWSL. They have a player who plays in Scotland. And that's more diversity than the U.S. has. Like literally everyone in the U.S. except for Lindsay Horan plays in the NWSL. And I think that contributes a lot to their downfall. So I do think that not having that club, I don't want to say clout makes a difference, but I think the fact that if you don't you know, experience the different kinds of football in different places. And then you go and you compete at this kind of tournament where other teams are. Yeah, I think that 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 can have an impact. And another thing that I think will have an impact on this team is the pay dispute that they were facing before this World Cup. It's since been settled. But again, we've talked about this time and time with other teams. This has implications going into a tournament when all you should be thinking about is performing on the world stage. Yeah, so I looked into this and I'm I'm not 100% sure like if you know this is how it all played out but from my understanding basically they were meant to play Botswana in a friendly and they had this dispute with the South Africa Football Association where they basically were like not getting paid and so they said no. And so the team the game went on, but the team that they ended up fielding was not the World Cup squad. There was a 13-year-old in the squad. So they ended up losing that game 5-0, which normally I would feel like, wow, like that's a problem. 
like you're losing to a team that didn't even qualify five nil, like that's an issue. But I think if, you know, if, if all of that is true in the sense that that wasn't the squad and that was just, you know, a group of people that they assembled because associations need to, you know, save face and make sure everything kind of looks good. Um, I think that that honestly shows a lot. I'm so tired of women footballers having to like boycott in order to get things from their federation where they then realize, oh, okay, like this is an issue. Like if that team that came on and, and played Botswana, let's say they won. Let's say they won 2-0. The federation is probably going to be like, oh, we don't need these people. We don't need to pay them. We have a we have a squad right here that can win games. And I'm just so tired of women having to deal with, honestly, bullshit like that and having to convince people that they deserve what they deserve. So I'm glad that that's settled. Um, but they were quoted in the article saying that the Federation said that a charity stepped in with a humble donation. Like, I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. You're a Federation. Play, pay your players. Right. Invest. Invest. Like, it's not 1999 anymore where we're still fighting these small battles. No, it's 2023. Like, get on the train. Seriously. It, it, again, I share the same sentiment, Said It's incredibly frustrating. We can have podcast after podcast about these things, but... Yeah, I'm hoping that the settlement allows them to just play and and show what they can do and hopefully drive further investment. But I don't know. We'll see what they do on the on the world stage. Yeah. So I feel like for me, they're the key for them is kind of just going to be to pinch points um, when they can, if they can. I'm not discrediting them by any means. I think a lot of teams that don't have the grand exposure that like a lot of the European teams have end up getting like swept under the rug. So this is a team that I'm hoping, you know, like we've said previously about some teams, hoping they prove me wrong. I'm hoping I can learn a lot about them when they're playing um, and a lot about their players because like you never know. Zambia just beat Germany, right? So I'm not completely writing them off, but I'm just saying based off of, what I know, I feel like a lot of work needs to be done in order for them to potentially make it out of this group, especially since since we learned last week that only two are making it out. So I feel like for them, it's just going to be the same basic thing that it's been for a, a lot of teams. Be sound defensively, attack when you can, uh, capitalize on set pieces, all those good things and, and pinch points when you can. Yeah, and this isn't a bad group to be in if you're an underdog. We do have Sweden who kind of sticks above the rest, but I think there's a lot of points up for grabs in this group. Yeah, so Abby and I talked about this a little bit offline. We're not super convinced about the rest of the group apart from Sweden. Um, and so the other team that that's coming up in this conversation is Italy. So Italy's the third team in this group. They're currently ranked 16th. Um, and you know, they're, they're not necessarily a bad side. They won their group in 2019. It was their first time in the world cup in, in 20 years and they topped that group. But then if you fast forward to the next tournament they played in, they did not perform well in the euros at all. Like, I think they only scored one goal. They, they were at bottom. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty quick turnaround and that's pretty like going through the extremes, high of highs, you top your group, low of lows, you literally stunk it up so tell me a little bit abs about what you're feeling with italy because like we just said we're not super sure about them well i'm 50 percent italian so i'm backing them i'm trying to get my italian citizenship and growing up like my family didn't know too much about football um and so whenever there was a major tournament on 
mostly men's, uh, we always just supported Italy. So I I'm slightly partial to them, including in this tournament. Um, but yeah, I think it's an exciting squad, although they didn't do so well in the Euros. I think we saw them in 2019, their first tournament in 20 years. Okay. I think the one thing they have going for them is their passion. Like they play football with passion. And I think that carries a lot in a group stage. Yeah, like it's a good it's a good federation, like you said. There's always been support for Italy on the men's side. I feel like the women have also garnered a lot of that support. Italians are very, very, very passionate. So they definitely have the fan base. Um, and truth be told, I mean, obviously I lived in Australia. There's a lot of Italians in Australia. So I do think they will have like a big support group. And I think that that can go a long way. The other thing that I feel like is really carrying them, literally their entire squad is basically made up of two teams, Juventus and Roma. They have nine people on their roster from Juventus and they have eight from Roma. So the majority of your team plays together. And we've talked about this. You can't teach chemistry. And I feel like that's really what's going to carry them. The one thing I do want to say about that, though, so obviously that's Syria, which is now a fully professional league. But during the time of the Euros and the 2019 World Cup was not. Do you think that that impacts them? positively or negatively now all of that all of these people play in a fully professional league abby it's a tricky one i think it's it's more complex than a simple answer uh, but i'll do my best here with the professionalization of a league one element that i think positively affects these women is the fact that they're full-time all they have to focus on is their football. They don't have to be working a second job. Um, their bodies aren't as tired. And I think we might see the effects of that in this tournament. But again, it is a short turnaround. Two years max for fully professional league. I think a lot of the other trickle-down effects that you would see from a professionalization of a league is going to come in the next five years, not necessarily in two years. And so while there might be some difference being made because of the league going pro i don't think it's gonna have a huge monumental impact this tournament yeah i think that's fair i i definitely think the biggest positive for them is chemistry it's not necessarily about league play or, or anything like that so for me i feel like italy needs to just score like that needs to be their biggest thing they tied morocco nil nil um a few weeks ago in july 1st and I just feel like that's not enough. Like if you want to come out second in this group, you have, you can't be shut out. Like you have to put goals in the back of the net. And I feel like if they can really bank on this chemistry and really rely on this chemistry, and there's something to be said too about chemistry for players that play in the same league, but don't necessarily play on the same team um, because you're used to how your opponent plays and, and you've played each other for a while and you can understand each other's um, mechanics from scouting so it, the chemistry is beyond just the fact that like oh these girls play together and these girls play together it also helps that they're opponents um, but I feel like that needs to really help them moving forward you know putting the ball in the back of the net retaining possession um, and for me it's it seems so simple but they need to be Argentina right logistically of course Argentina needs to be a win I think you're onto something, obviously, said with the chemistry aspect, where I think Italy has struggled in the past, and, and I'm hoping they don't struggle in this tournament with this, is organization. I think they get ahead of themselves a little bit, and they get stretched very, very easily. 
for me, that comes down to communication and leadership. And so if that chemistry is true, um, and if it bleeds onto this pitch, I, I think we'll see a more organized Italy than we have in the past. When you're playing against teams like France, like England, that will stretch you, will counter you very quickly, organization is key. And therefore, if their chemistry is on point, I think they'll do better than I would expect them to do. So that brings us to Argentina, which rounds out the group. Um, so they're ranked 28th in the FIFA ranking. And so, you know, like we mentioned when we were saying with Sweden, you have South Africa, Italy, Argentina. Like, it's kind of up for grabs who comes in second in this group for us. Um, talking about Argentina a little bit, it's silly if we don't mention the fact that the men just won the World Cup. What impact do you think that that potentially has? I think there are positive and negatives to this. I, I think we'll start with the positives. It, it, it's obvious. You can draw inspiration. I think you revolutionize a country when you do get a win like the the men did. And I think they can siphon off a little bit of that excitement and fan base and bleed it into the women's game. I think you would be wise to do that or you would be foolish not to do that. Uh, so that's the positive side. But I also think the negative side is like, how can you compare the men's team with the women's team in terms of results? in a world tournament if they're not benefiting from comparable monetary investments? That's my question. Yeah, I definitely agree with that positively and negatively, right? Like we saw the way that that completely shaped the country. But I think the negative for me is sometimes like what ends up happening because a lot of people might not necessarily understand the impact that a pay disparity has if the women don't do super well and the men just won, people then turn that to be like, oh yeah, this is why like, I don't support women's football. When like the exact opposite needs to happen. Like if, if the country can gather a lot of support around the women as well, win, lose, draw, whatever, um, and like push, you know, we're a complete soccer nation, men and women, not just men. I feel like that could end up having a positive impact. I just don't necessarily know if I see that happening. Um, and and so I, I definitely think it'll be interesting to see like, you know, what that atmosphere is like for them. But I I wish the impact, I don't think it's going to be as positive as, as I would like it to be. Um, but, you know, women don't need men. So focusing more on, on their team, they've had a decent 2023. So they played New Zealand twice and they beat them both times. Um, they've played Venezuela twice. They tied them once, beat them the other time. So they have some wins under their belt coming into 2023. But that being said, they've never played Sweden. They've never played South Africa. They've only played Italy once and they lost. And they don't have the best stats when they play European teams, um, which they'll obviously have to deal with twice in this group. So they do really well when playing other South American teams, but not really well when playing European teams. I feel like maybe that might be a style thing, but what do you think Argentina needs to do, Abby? If, if you're on this staff, like what are you doing in, in terms of preparing to play two European teams when statistically you don't do well against European teams? Yeah, it's a good question. South American teams are just so fun to watch. Like you mentioned, Sid, their style is a very entertaining one. Tiki-taka football, they like to throw in some... 1v1 moves. It's it's great to watch. It's entertaining. But does it win tournaments is the question you have to ask yourself. And I think the past record is is no. I, I think if I was on this staff, I would take a page out of the top togs in Europe and in America and install in the last four years some sort of 
mindset shift. Like, yes, we're going to entertain. Yes, we're going to have a little bit of our DNA in our football, but we go into every single match winning, whatever that takes. Does it mean we have to drop back into a mid block? Does it mean we have to high press? Being adaptable in this tournament for me is key. And that's what I would do if I was on the staff. Yeah, I feel like it'll be really interesting for them. Like they're basically going into this group blind. Like they haven't played South Africa either. So I think it'll be really interesting to see if they let their past kind of loom over them or if they're able to kind of be the team that they have an incredible record when playing against other South American teams. So it's not like they don't know how to play football. So I think it'll be really interesting to see that, like you talked about abs, that mentality, how, how they go into each game. Um, And honestly, like if they just come to play, I feel like they can do some damage. Cause like we said, there, there isn't a, a surefire second place team in this group for us. Um, and, and so they've never made it out of the group stage. And I feel like that could also be looming over them. And I feel like for them, the way to basically get out of that is just confidence from wins. So they need to either beat Sweden or Italy if they want to come out of this group. And so their prep game is against Peru. Um, and that's coming up later this week. So we'll definitely see what they're dealing with. Um, I wish they were playing a European team personally, but you know, I still think for them, it's going to be good to get that mentality piece. So let's, let's come up with a conclusion here, Abby. I I know we've gone through Sweden, I feel like is a lock for both of us, but what's your final answer in terms of top two teams? I really do think everything is up in the air for the remaining three teams, but I will back my 50% heritage, Italy. I'm going to back Italy as well, but I'm not backing them because of genetics. I'm backing them because of chemistry. I Like we've talked about, you can't teach it. And I feel like with the chemistry that they have on this roster, it should help them in ways that other teams just can't rely on. Um, and so I'm going to back them for that reason. But I don't know. I feel like it's it's really interesting. This this group has a lot of potential to, to surprise a lot of people. Um, and have a lot of teams make a statement for the first time or or do something they haven't done for the first time. So it'll definitely be exciting to see where this group ends up actually um, ending and where teams end up falling. But in the meantime, we are going to take it to the fashion side and we're going to break down the kits for this group. So it's on to Hot Takes Kit Edition. Okay, Abby, looking at these kits, tell me your thoughts. What are you thinking? Because I'm pretty secure in mine. I mean, first off, I think this is the best collective group of kits we've seen so far. Agreed. Agreed. But, oh man, so it's making it really difficult for me to choose a single one. But, oh man, I I honestly, I'm going to pick two, Sid, because I'm like that, Okay. I'm going to choose Italy's Away Kits, the granite looking ones. I think it's really classy, pays homage to like the history of their country in in some ways. I'm also going to go with South Africa's Home Kits. I love the design. I like the colors, yellow and green. I think it's really classy. That's so funny that you were like, I'm going to pick multiple because when I said I was secure, I'm secure in multiple. (laughs) I like everyone's Away Kit. I, I think everyone's Away Kit has texture and is really fun. 
um, the blue with Sweden, um, the multiple colors for South Africa and the way they like don't necessarily clash, even though they're like coming over each other. Um, like you said, the marble of Italy's, I think is world-class. Um, and Argentina's is a lot of fun. It, it's got like, it kind of reminds me of those little sand things you used to play with when you were younger. Um, and how the sand would just all kind of like blend in with each other and, and create this concoction of color. Um, so I'm going to go with everyone's away kits. I love them. I, I think that this is a very fashionable group. What are you thinking then in terms of worse? Because I don't have one. Well, Sydney, first of all, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about with this sand thing. Maybe it's an only new, maybe it's a New Jersey thing, but I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I'll find it and send it to you. Okay. Well, for me, the worst is Sweden's home kids. Like, come on, just a little bit of something in there. I, I understand it's classic, but also the crest in the middle. Yeah, I just don't don't really love that one. Yeah, I I mean, it's classic, so I'm fine with it. Um, it is interesting, though, thinking about uh, the U.S., like how we talked about the, the FIFA crest being in the middle and then the U.S. crest being on the side. Um, I prefer the way that the Adidas logo and the crest are stacked against each other way better than the U.S. is. So it doesn't bother me as much. I actually think it's probably better. Um, but yeah, I mean, naturally, if it was just like a normal, you know, crest to the side, Adidas logo to the side, it would be like their away kit. It would be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. But I don't have a least favorite. I'm not picking a least favorite for this group. I think this is the most fashionable group. Um, maybe group H will prove us wrong as the last group, but this group's got style and I'm looking forward to watching them like visually on the pitch. So that's what this group is looking like on the pitch, uh, in terms of tactics and in terms of kits. So excited to see how this all pans out. We've got one more group left to tackle next week, right before the first set of games. So looking forward to that, be on the lookout next week when we talk about group H, but in the meantime, Abby, Games to watch? Tell us what you got. Well, NWSL is on their CBA break, so no matches. In that league, we do have some friendlies. The big one to watch, France versus Australia on the 14th. It's an early one, but if you want, you can not watch Twitter, and you can just watch the game. It's 2.30 a.m. Pacific time and then 5.30 Eastern time. But like I said, I recommend recording it, not looking at social media, and getting the full experience. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at meggedpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at meggedpodcast. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please rate us and leave reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we tackle new topics, fight over our different perspectives, and as always, our hot takes. See you next week on Megged.